At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so this is part two of Dunk Don's 2020 trade deadline coverage. We talked about the D'Angelo Russell trade in part one. We talked about the Marcus Morris trade in part one talked about doing dead bank going back to atlanta part one few other ancillary deals related to those so make sure you go back and listen to that at some point but let's start here with this memphis miami deal mr larue as tradition dictates the terms please the memphis grizzlies trade andre Badala, jay crowder and solomon hill to the miami heat for justice winslow Dion waiters and james johnson who was then rerouted to minnesota for gorgie jang we talked a little bit about that in part one and then we'll talk about this kind of in conjunction the heat agree to a extension with iguodala that adds two years and 30 million the second year is it looks like a team option might be non-guaranteed but either way you know it's a it's a no guaranteed money for the 21 slash 22 season when pat riley has been pretty aggressively talking about how he wants to keep space yeah so let's look at this from miami's perspective first here the extended trade for iguodala the two-year 30 million team option on the second year opening keeping open that 2021 space and I thought that aspect of it was pretty good. But they're also to get off of basically $28 million in dead money of waiters and James Johnson, just at the price of Justice Winslow, who like who knows when he was even going to be available for this year. That is fantastic. Iguodala didn't do much in the regular season last year, and but they don't need him to do a lot. They got plenty of depth, and he still looked as good as ever in the playoffs. I think the time off, I mean, the, when they showed an interview, he looked like the, uh, the same guy, at least in terms of his weight. He said he's even like a little thinner than he usually likes to be and he just has that body type where he's always going to be in awesome shape anyway so he really helps them we can talk about the on-court fit with him in a second but here's a, a an interesting thing now even with that Iguodala extension, Miami looking at about $27 million in space, depending on where their 2021st comes in. They can't trade that, of course, until the draft because they owe the 2021 and 2023 picks going out further. They've got Kelly Olenek, who makes $13 million that they could either trade or stretch. And that could actually get them up to max cap space this year without losing anybody who is particularly important to them. I mean, they got Jay Crowder. They could try to re-sign him. Well, they would would lose Goran Dragic. That's... Uh, Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That would be the one. But, you know, maybe they could even bring him back at backup point guard money. I don't think anybody's going to be giving him more than, you know, exception type of money. But if, and I admit this is exceedingly unlikely given how the Lakers season has gone so far and all the clutch sports connections, but if something drastic were to happen in LA and Anthony Davis were available, Miami has it within their power to create max space for him. And frankly, 
Miami probably has a better future than LA does. Now, again, clutch sports, you know, I don't think LeBron is like that high on Miami's organization that the, they overall are that high on him. Miami doesn't believe in a lot of like, you know, player empowerment the way, you know, LA, you can kind of do what you want there. So I'm not predicting that this is going to happen, but this is a possibility that Miami could do, or you can just sign guys to two minus ones this offseason, you know, a Gallinari. Basically what they just did with Iguodala. So to clarify for people yeah. who aren't familiar with it, a two minus one is, is our term for a deal where one year is guaranteed and then the second year has either no or very little guaranteed money. And so that is a two minus one instead of a plus because it is the team's control rather than the players. Yeah, I mean, you could offer, I mean, I think a one-year $25 million deal would be pretty powerful in this market. You know, if you wanted to go for Gallo or the aforementioned Marcus Morris or even, you know, a Davis Bertans, uh, who would be a crazy fit there. Um, they are going to have to, in theory, re-sign Derek Jones Jr., but he has a minimum cap hold. Um, Fred Van Vliet would probably be looking for a longer-term deal, but Toronto is going to be loath to sign him to anything going past 2021 either. He's another guy who would be a really nice fit with what they're doing in Miami. So they've got a lot of options here. I mean, I, I'm guessing they're not going to do anything major, but they do have that, you know, Pat Riley is always thinking about that stuff. Well, and and, and af, so the Davis idea is tantalizing. The only concern I have is that after 2020, after 2017, a little bit queasy about giving Pat Riley money to spend in a year where there isn't, are, aren't good places to spend money. Yeah, but they'll hold off. But, for but 2021. the 2021 part of it is what makes me feel more confident right. because that is the, the A1 concern is 2021. And then getting better players for 2020 is, is probably like B or C or somewhere down on the line, which is amazing when you consider how good the Heat already are. Also, we're noting that since Miami didn't take on any future money, they only have about $66 million as of right now committed for both money and holds for 2021, so they just have a ton to work with there. That number will drop with draft picks and signings like Derek Jones Jr., assuming they resign him and everything else, but they have a ton of money then, and this doesn't affect that at all. Let's turn, before we get the, to- They also, here's the other thing too, Danny, I mean, they also have a lot of assets and they can also assets in just, the form of young players, not assets in the yeah. way of draft picks because they're still yeah. super weak there. And they can also take players into space just in a trade, a guy sure. whose contract ends in 2021 if they wanted to do that. Bradley Beal, they could facilitate big time money savings for a team like Washington you know, or if there's a Drew Holiday became available. They could maybe make a uh, trade some of their young guys uh, during the offseason for him. A lot of options here. Whenever you see Miami with cap space, and now that they're good again, it can be very, very powerful. Even if they are, and, and Drew Holiday, he expires in 2021 too. So they, you wouldn't necessarily be losing a ton of, of option there. Although I guess he has a player option that could end up messing you up there. But the, anyway, there, we can, we'll talk more about that in their offseason and where they see where they end things up what? this year. You know, so think we're not going to talk about as much all the exciting things that memphis can do with their 2020 cap space okay yeah let, let's let's take a break and then, then we'll man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice, 
heavy material that'll keep you warm. It's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us get to that well here let's uh, let's talk a little bit before we talk about memphis of just what this looks like on the floor this year for miami iguodala kind of flows right into the same role that they were playing justice winslow in when healthy small ball four play the three push the ball up the court make good decisions provides a lot of defensive value you know on say like a pascal siakam i don't think he's quite big enough to guard Giannis, but i think you put out of bio on Giannis and he's just if they're gonna play that zone he'll actually look really good in that zone as just another long-armed smart guy at the top of that zone I worry a little bit about his shooting ability if you got Adebayo Butler and him all on the floor at the same time then it it does get a little bit dicey there um you know it's not like Iguodala his flaws were hidden a little bit by playing with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson where he's just, you know, he's not a high volume guy. He's not going to shoot on the move. Even his wide open three will kind of wax and wane. But, you know, he's going to play 20 minutes a game during the regular season. They got plenty of other depth guys there. Also getting Crowder and Hill, who I would expect Iguodala to play more than them in the playoffs, even if those guys would play more in the regular season. But Crowder gives you another element as a, you know, we should come up with a name for like, not quite a stretch for like, what's like, you know, a pull for maybe where he's like, he's not, he's not stretching the defense. He's just like slightly pulling it. Cause he's not really that great of a shooter. A nudge for. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, well, we'll we'll let Ethan come up with an idea as the creator of the yeah. record scratch. Um, but you just have so many guys now who are inter interchangeable uh, out in the perimeter at the those two through four spots. What well, and, and, and if they want to play some high intensity stuff defensively, they they have more bodies to make that happen. Yeah. Also, more innings eaters is always a, a a good thing for a team that has lofty aspirations. Put fewer miles on Jimmy Butler in particular without having to sacrifice as much in the way of team quality. I think that's a very a, a very good part of yeah. this for Miami. And, and they got a lot better defensively. Yes. With these moves <laughs> of just veterans who know how to play and who will fit. Who like there are some players who when they when they get acquired mid season. You you wonder about how long it's going to take to integrate them. I do not worry about that with these guys at all. Well, and now, I mean, they would have sacrificed on shooting, but you have the option of not having to play either Hero or Duncan Robinson if you really need some defense. So yeah, this Miami team is uh, it's going to be real interesting in the playoffs. I mean, they got a lot of guys. It's going to be difficult for Spolstra to sort it out, but I think uh, they could be could be very powerful. I mean, I'm not right willing to. I mean, like a Miami Philly series would be fascinating, right? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're going to beat Milwaukee. I think M- Milwaukee is kind of a big winner here because nobody really got that much better, but also a big loser because they didn't get any better. Um, th- that was kind of interesting how few moves actually ended up getting made among the contenders. The but uh let's move on to memphis here oh boy so so how would you feel danny about signing justice winslow to a 40 million dollar contract this offseason because that's that's kind of what they did i mean he does have the team option the year after that over like over like eight years yeah i i mean justice winslow is a good player number one was he played like half the games in his career i mean this back issue is very concerning and it's also right now, concerning I, that Miami gave him up, the team that knows the most about it. Now, that's one thing. I mean, we haven't heard anything about this yet. Presumably, Miami was totally transparent with Memphis, who uh, should have uh, a pretty gun-shy attitude about acquiring injured players after the Chandler Parsons fiasco. But presumably, this back thing isn't going to like require surgery or anything, and the physical isn't going to stop this. I mean, that would be a disaster for, for Miami if that happened. But, you know, and James Johnson, who they then move on for Gorgie Jang, who I don't really know why they did that either, frankly. I mean, maybe Jang is a better player, but they've already, they don't need a backup center. They've got Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson and Valanciunas already. So I, I don't really get why they did that follow-up move of trading Johnson for Jang, especially when it saved Minnesota money, unless there's like some other move they're going to make for Jang. I mean, maybe or they they're worried like about like, some of the headaches and all that. They one of the, one of those worry about getting the, the veteran away from the young players. But I mean, Johnson I, I guess so, them. but they still have Deion Waiters on the team. Uh, I mean, maybe he'll be yeah, they, they, to go they home. Yeah, they most but. certainly do. And But th- this is just a, a, a shocking trade from Memphis who you and I both loved what they did in the offseason the way that they the way that they wielded their space and even though Memphis didn't really do much in the way of signing players you know they did get eventually get Tyus Tyus Jones and they they basically let uh, DeLon Wright go to the Mavericks but they squeezed a first round pick out of the Warriors for Iguodala they were just overall aggressive made made some nice moves on the margins got Brandon Clark and this is just such a terrible use of resources because even if you like Justice Winslow, the the Heat were leveraged to the hilt. They wanted they wanted Iguodala. 
Jay Crowder was an asset. I mean, he had totally reasonable contract and expiring contract. And yet they took on all of this unambiguously negative value contracts for the possibility that Justice Winslow helps them. And then the other thing, like, I like Justice Winslow when he's healthy too, but I, I'm most comfortable with Winslow offensively when he has the ball in his hands. And anytime the ball is in his hands and it's not in John Morant's when they're on the floor together, I think that's a mistake. And so I would be avoiding, not because Justice Winslow is a bad player, but I would be avoiding players in that general area for right now until they square everything else away. Yeah, certainly when you look at, I mean, clearly cap space this summer has like zero value to anyone. And, oh, who are they going to sign? Who are they going to sign? There are not many awesome options. But, like, what about, say, a Joe Harris? Or or, or even just using space the way they did this year. They didn't Yeah, sign. I mean, but again, nobody's trying to shave money, True. so that, that's a little less likely. Um, You know, I mean, they, they're set at the four and the five, in theory. So you're really looking for a three. Winslow is a three. I mean, clearly their assessment was, we really wanted Justice Winslow. He can guard the three. We needed someone like that in our system. And we weren't going to get that player in free agency this year. We don't have our picks going to Boston this year. We don't have another way to get a player as good defensively who can still do some stuff offensively as Winslow. And so therefore it's worth it to take on James Johnson and Deion Waiters. And hey, you know what? We can, we're essentially, essentially what we're doing is we're just rolling our space over to 2021 instead of 2020. So it's not, you know, we're just punting on the idea of adding a significant free agent until 2021. So yeah, you know what? I mean, that's, I'm not going to tell you that this isn't going to work out. You know, I don't feel that negatively about it. Certainly taking on 28 million in most years, you would say, no, you should have got a lot more value here that maybe even getting Justice Winslow, is he even worth that on its own before you talk about the value that Iguodala and Crowder had? No, you'd probably have to say no. As an asset play, this is not great. But I think their conception is just finding a, a guy who is a, you know, can guard the best players defensively at the three. He is an improving shooter. I still have concerns about that, but you know, maybe they feel like, Hey, he's not any worse of a shooter than Crowder. I might disagree on that because Crowder is at least taking threes where Winslow is a little bit more of a record scratch guy, but he's improving there. Maybe they feel like he can get to the point where Crowder was now and he's better defensively than Crowder. He's got some ball handling ability. I share your concerns about him trying to grab and go instead of outletting it to John Morant. But between him and Dylan Brooks, we'll talk about his extension in a second. On the wings, Ja, then you've got Jaron Jackson, who hopefully can get better defensively than he has been. You can also move Winslow up to the four where he's played a lot, or you can bring in Clark to play with that group. I think they're thinking, hey, we can just build an athletic defensive monster that, you know, we've also got John Morant. We're already playing at a really high level offensively with Morant and Jackson here. So let's get that defensive player. You just can't find those. And that's what the rationale here is. That That's what I think their argument would be ultimately. As you look at the free agent list here, is there anyone unrestricted that you think would have been a better fit for them than Justice Winslow? On a $13 million contract. No, not particularly. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I'm stuck as I talk about this and try to see it from their perspective, I'm coming around to it a little bit more than I had because you're really only punting for one year. And maybe you can say, hey, that cap space we would have had, if we were going to get anyone decent in 2020, we were going to have to do a long-term contract. There isn't anyone that we felt like there's worth giving a long-term contract to this year. So why not take another bite at the apple in 2021 instead? Not that they're going to get, you know, some superstar potentially, but that there might be better options there. And you also get Justice Winslow, who, at least in their view, does something unique. I, I think 
their evaluation of Winslow clearly is higher than mine. Winslow didn't have as much value in Miami because they always seem to have be chock full of these wing guys who are athletic. So I, I am coming around to it well, so, a little but, more. But here's the thing. Even if they felt that way, this is still a lot. Not, not only are the, the players that they gave up better than the, the players that they brought back, but the contracts are significantly better too. So this happens sometimes with teams, and, and I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Riley handled this really well, of the, you know the team wants the guy you have, and so you, you th- make things that are slightly small, you know, like things that are slightly less acceptable, but still an overall acceptable deal and the t- Memphis just didn't have the they didn't think they had the leverage to say no but I, I think they did and it's it, it, so it's and it's not like they gave up any picks or anything like that and and the cap space wasn't didn't wasn't going to provide as much as as it did last year or it will in 2021 but it is still it's still a lot and and that part frustrates me because Memphis especially because they did so much well during the during the main part of the offseason and the other element of this and the uh, this is something that's happened with the Hawks as well. Is in the abstract, you're right that there there aren't there isn't that single player, but having more space than damn near everybody else allows teams to create to to help their team in ways that we might not necessarily be able to anticipate maybe that's as a facilitator of a deal maybe that is uh somebody you know hitting the market that we didn't expect or through a trade or something else like that and foreclosing on that opportunity because it looks bad right now i think is short-sighted yeah maybe so um but i I just uh, we'll just see how well winslow plays if he plays really well there it's all worth it if he doesn't or he's hurt then it wasn't right i mean i think that's what it's going to boil down to and you know i'm not as high on him as memphis seems to be so uh, that's definitely a concern but uh, i see where they're going like i think this this could at least work out for them um I also think it's quite possible here that there was an assumption that, because remember, we were talking about OKC as a third part of this deal, and that Danilo Gallinari was going to go to Miami, and it seems like, based on the reporting, there are two possible points of failure there. One was Gallo not wanting to agree to an extension in Miami. The, The reporting indicates that he wanted more than one year. Miami, with their 2021 aspirations, did not want to give it to him. He did not want to do the two minus one extension there that Iguodala did. And he's younger. He's going to be 32. This offseason might have a better market for, than that. Who knows how much money they're offering him. That would have vaporized this Miami cap space. So, uh, And then also there would have had to be compensation for Miami going to OKC. That could have been in the form of removing some protection on their 2023 pick, but probably also would have involved another pick, likely 2025, they could have still traded the 2025 pick as, or the likely 25, 25 pick as marked as just the first available draft. You remember that's what the Lakers did to get Dwight Howard, even though they had already traded Steve Nash and that pick went way out with the protections, but it just wouldn't have guaranteed that it could have conveyed. It would have had to convert to seconds, uh, which Miami doesn't have a ton of or just convert to nothing or whatever. Uh, and so maybe OKC was driving a hard bargain there. And that's what I would have done as well because Janelle Gallinari is a good player and they're, they might even be the sixth seed in the West now when it's all said and done with some of Dallas's struggles lately. So I understand OKC driving a hard bargain. It seems though like maybe Miami would have met their price if 
they could have come to an agreement on an extension with Gallo, but they could not. And, you know, they might get in on the Gallo sweepstakes again this summer. But from Memphis's perspective, OKC, to get that draft compensation, probably would have been taking back Waiters and Johnson as uh, Sam Presti could not quit Deion Waiters. And so I think when Memphis agreed to this, there was hope that Miami and OKC would come to an agreement they wouldn't have to take Waiters and Johnson. But ultimately, that's what ended up happening when it became a one team deal and to move Iguodala and get Winslow I guess they were okay with that I mean it would have been nice for Memphis I think just to get something I don't know if it would have been the first round pick in 2025 but you know some kind of swap rights or I mean I forget what Miami has with second rounds or even someone like a KZ Akpala or something like that to where it could have just been a little bit more paddle or Derek Jones Jr. potentially uh, I mean I know Miami probably doesn't want to give him up um but to just get a little more for taking on that toxic salary so I think that was the the whole OKC being a part of it maybe that ended up being like a little bit of a canard that forced Memphis to agree here ultimately um so I I think you know, maybe Miami will we'll see without Gallo you know Gallo his shooting certainly would have been great tough to play him and Duncan Robinson or Hero together I don't know how much Gallo would have helped them I mean they already are really good offensively and they bomb a ton of threes so giving up another first for him I'm not sure that that really would have worked that well even if you do get off of the uh the waiters and Johnson deals I don't know any reaction to all that it's a reasonable theory of the case, and it would be disappointing from Memphis's perspective if that's true. But I, I think it, I think it is reasonable. And while Miami, they weren't going to trade their best young guys, pretty obviously, considering the value that Miami gets out of this deal, not only in terms of improved players but also getting off of so much bad salary, I think Memphis could have demanded more. And the status quo was significantly less preferable to Miami to what they to what they got. So then that that's exactly why why teams have leverage. So yeah. I, I, I'm broadly, in, I, I think that it from Memphis, if they're so smitten with Justice Winslow, then maybe it's worth it from their perspective. I would not be so smitten and just think they think they had more leverage. And, and that matters too. I mean, we saw that with the Knicks. I thought the Knicks did a good job of exerting the leverage that they had, even though it appears given the like the negotiations that they were having with the Lakers, we don't know if the Bucks were in it like they were in the mock deadline. But I, I it, it's weird to say this considering how their offseasons went, but I think the Knicks did a better job of handling what they had than the, than the Grizzlies. Yeah, last thing here, the the Jang Johnson swap. I do think Memphis got the better player there with the way Jang has been playing as a backup center. And it does maybe allow them to trade either Jang or Valanchunas at some point. I mean, both those guys are a little overpaid, so I don't expect much to happen there. I'd be interested to see what happens with Jang in Memphis. He doesn't seem like a a great fit there. Uh, But I would like to just thank Glenn Taylor for hiring Gerson Rosas because he has made this deadline incredibly interesting. (laughs) Like if they just had like Scott Layden still there or something. As the lead guy, I don't foresee that this level of creativity and I mean, just the straight up work that it took like it is impressive to me from Rosas. We'll see whether it actually ends up accomplishing a ton here for Minnesota. Uh, where do you want to go next now, Danny? The Central Division. And Andre Drummond had been a frequent point of discussion on this podcast in the time leading into the deadline, partially because there were rumors about him as early as January going somewhere. And the final terms here are closer to something that I posited a little while ago, which is that as Detroit, I would rather just get out of Dodge and not have to worry about Drummond potentially picking up his $28.8 million player option, because that's basically what Detroit did here, and that's what Cleveland distinctly did not do. 
yeah it's essentially a challenge trade in this pick it's a 2020 is, it's a 2023 second we don't know if it's the Cavs one or the Warriors one I'm betting it's the Warriors one yeah the the worst of those two so basically Detroit is saying hey we're in a rebuild we'd rather have 28.7 million in cap space and Cleveland is saying hey we're in a rebuild we'd rather have Andre Drummond I'm gonna go with Detroit on this one so am I especially because the structure of this deadline took a lot of potential suitors off the table for Drummond and makes it more likely that he picks up that option the Hawks now have their center of the present and the future with Clay Capella the Grizzlies are now out of the cap space derby entirely and weren't really a good fit for Drummond in the first place. And maybe, you know, maybe somebody in another part of the league, like the Hornets or something, gets gets into the cap space derby, but they could all easily be prioritizing a different position or a different player. And for Drummond, it isn't a Harrison Barnes situation unless Kobe Altman makes some sort of ridiculous offer where you decline the, decline the option and get maybe a lower annual value than the declined option, but still a lot of years. Like, it would be crazy to me if the Cavs did that considering where they are in this process and the possibility that they could have a center as the best prospect available either in this draft or the next one. You know, you never know where it's going to go. So I for for Cleveland betting that Drummond is going to do that bet Drummond will I don't know I guess I guess that would be help them more than that 27 million in spending power and and also remember that yeah. Drummond while not our favorite player does make the Cavs better and so that worsens theoretically their draft their their draft odds in each of the next two years assuming he picks up that option yeah I guess the thought is that they just needed something to get a little bit better defensively I think Drummond is not that great of a defensive player but he's still a lot better than what they have. I mean, sure. he actually can block a shot, which they just had nothing of whatsoever. He can actually, like, get a steal or a turnover, which they had absolutely none of as well. And it is, again, this is a tough time to do the traditional rebuilding route of, all right, we'll take on bad contracts, we'll try to accumulate some assets, et cetera, et cetera. 2020 draft doesn't look that good. And this Cavs rebuild is looking pretty rough here. And maybe just to get another all-star along with all-star Kevin Love. And yeah, maybe there's a thought that- An all-star weekend participant, Larry Nance. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's the thought here. But yeah, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs next year with this team. They have, they still have no threes. Maybe they'll you can use their mid-level exception to try and get that now. Well, presumably they're thinking of Chetty as a three. I think you're. Well, I'm talking about someone who can actually defend that. Position. Oh, oh, okay. Then, then he doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Let, let, can, I, we, I can mean, we take they, a moment? They do have players. Can we take <laughs> a moment to talk about how hilariously expensive the Cavs front court is now without having any threes? So this season. Kevin Love, 28.9 million. Andre Drummond, 27.1 million. Larry Nance, 12.7 million. And Tristan Thompson, yes, he's still on their team, 18.5 million. That is incredible. And when you also consider that if Drummond picks up his player option, three of those four are going to be under contract for next year. And two of those four are going to be under contract through 2023. Yeah, I mean, and those are all, all four of those guys are centers. <laughs> Like Kevin Love defensively is a center at this point. Thompson's another one that I thought maybe the Mavs could have gotten in on. You know, it seems like the price, who knows what the price for him would have been, but clearly with the acquisition of Drummond, I mean, and Drummond is going to be on their team next year, the Cavs. Like that seems pretty obvious, whether it's the player option or they work out some kind I of mean, an extension. Maybe, which... maybe they could try to do some sort of trade with another capped out team and just yeah. kind of, I, I don't think it's a guarantee that Drummond is on their team next year. I think that he will, I expect it'll be on contract, but I, I wanted to make that distinction at least for myself. 
Uh, no, you could make it for me too. You're right. Uh, so for Detroit, who knows what the plan here is now? They did not move Derek Rose. There had been reporting that they're looking for a lottery pick for him. They weren't going to get that. They didn't deserve that. Who knows what the offer was from say a team like Philly and Philly and the Lakers seemed like the teams that really would have needed Rose and the Lakers, you know, if they had offered Kuzma, I would have absolutely jumped at that. I I don't think when Hollinger and I were talking about that, he was actually saying he would have offered Kuzma. I said I probably wouldn't have. Um, I, would, and then I would not have Philly, for Rose for the record. What did you say? I would not have for Rose for the record. Yeah. Philly, you know, maybe it was some of those seconds that they have. Not sure if there's a first. And so or Zyre. Maybe. What? Zyre Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think he has any value. I think that would have just been matching salary. Um, but Philly could have traded a first at some point in the future. Or, um, and they have all those good seconds. Maybe that the seconds weren't enough for Detroit. So it seems like the thought here is maybe they can just revisit trading him in the offseason that maybe they could get more for him if he continues to play well. I mean, they'll probably put him into bubble wrap to a degree the rest of the year. Um, they also did not move Christian Wood. Seems like they probably want to re-sign him. I mean, he's their starting center now, Christian Wood, right? So, um, I mean, in Detroit, you know, maybe Blake Griffin will come back next year. I don't know. Like, But it, the, they're obviously at the beginning of a massive rebuild. There's also reporting indicating that Tom Gores has come to the realization that just trying to be the seventh or eighth seed every year might not be the way to run a franchise. <laughs> the treadmill is not for everybody, Nate. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, the worst part about that is that, like, when you're chasing the eighth seed, usually it's like the good years you get the eighth seed, and the bad years you're at 35 wins, and that's where they've been really more. Uh, so maybe they'll, they'll try to revisit trading Rose in the offseason. If it were me, I probably would have just got what I could for him. But he's like the one reason to watch the team. They probably care about that. He's a feel-good story. He is under contract for next year at around $7 million. That could end up being a value deal. The free agent market at point guard this year is not great. Although part of that is because teams have point guards. So there aren't a lot of openings either. And the draft is very point guard heavy. So I don't know what the market will be for Rose. And this is another indication here that where the Lakers just like having nothing that you could possibly trade. I mean, Rose could have really helped them if they could have just offered, you know, some future first round pick. That's probably enough for the Pistons. But, you know, they just did that AD deal in such a way that they just can't trade. I mean, that but we're, we're getting into winners and losers again. Sorry, I I, <laughs> I got a little distracted there. Uh, what else we got here? Well, uh, we got a break, actually. Let's do that, and then we'll uh, then we'll talk more. Uh, some of these other deals and winners and losers. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because 
you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. We talk about it all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, where do you want to go next here, Danny? We can get closer to a lightning round here. The other moves don't move the needle a whole lot. Portland salary dumped Scal Lebissier on the Atlanta Hawks, which saves Portland about $3 million on their tax bill. Portland, it was impractical after the Trevor Reza trade for them to get all the way out, but saving some money does does make a difference. Well, well, I think it's this too, Danny, that if they'd continued to lose, like if Dame Lillard weren't on this crazy hot streak and Ariza hadn't been playing well for them after, and that might end up being fool's gold. Maybe they could have moved Ariza, downsized that salary, moved Scal and Caleb Swanigan as well and gotten out of the tax. But even if they had moved Swanigan, Hazonia, and Wenyan Gabriel, they would have just been barely, barely below the tax, but then would have been forced to sign other players and go over it again. So the only way they could have done it was by removing Ariza or getting Rodney Hood to waive that implicit no trade, which he probably wasn't going to do. And who knows, maybe they've deluded themselves that he's going to come back and contribute next year as well off that torn Achilles because uh, he has the player option. He would lose his bird rights, obviously, if he, if he were to get moved. So they just weren't going to get out. Uh, them playing well means they you can't get rid of Ariza, but that's going to hurt for them because this was one of those same ones where they could have forestalled the repeater tax a lot longer. It doesn't really matter for this year. It's only like $6 million or so that they're going to have to pay. They saved about $3 million in taxes by moving Scal and maybe another $1 million in salary, but they're in the tax this year. And so just that, the, the, even if it's only by a little bit, that keeps the repeater clock going for them. And from Atlanta's perspective, they basically had money, had some cap space that was burning a hole in their pocket because they could do this deal before the Deadman Len Jabari Parker deal that we talked about in part one. And so they had this little bit to burn. They could do the, the Walton trade. Actually, he's on a minimum contract that they didn't even need to do that one but they could do this beforehand and it doesn't it doesn't cost them anything especially if portland sent them cash to cover the remainder of scal's contract which i'm assuming they did next let's go to the wizards um the wizards traded jordan mccray to denver for shabazz Napier, Napier, who was acquired in the crazy four-way trade from Malik Beasley and Wancho Aaron Gomez and all that, they they got Napier in that. We wondered what was kind of what was happening there from Denver's perspective. I think Napier is a better player than McRae. I also think Napier is going to help the help the Wizards because they traded they traded Isaiah Thomas, but Napier is better than Isaiah Thomas as well. So I, I think this is I, I, as as not the biggest fan of McRae. I think this is a, 
a good little thing for them. And if things work out for McRae in Denver, they will have his early bird rights and that should be enough to retain him. Yeah, Denver, especially during the regular season, could use a little bit of microwave type scoring. So maybe maybe he'll play there. Uh, Napier, of course, was redundant with Monte Morris as the backup point guard. And so, yeah, I mean, also just moving on from Isaiah Thomas and getting him off the team so that he wouldn't, I mean, I think that was the biggest aspect of folding him into that other deal was just to get him off the team. So stop Scott Brooks didn't feel like he had to play him anymore because he's just so terrible defensively. And I don't know that they're going to get a lot better, but they will get somewhat better with Napier, who is pretty limited himself, but at least uh, can try every now and again. He can play off the ball with Beal. That was their other problem was that Ish Smith isn't really a shooter and Napier can do that playing off the ball. Wouldn't shock me if he even starts for Washington at at point guard as they make their playoff push, Danny. They are breathing down the necks uh, of the Brooklyn Nets. Breathing down from like five games away. (laughs) Five wins, which is a massive amount in the bottom of the East. That's like a third of their total. Yeah, and Washington quickly to just talk about where their finances are for next year, having taken on Jerome Robinson as well. Doesn't really affect things uh, for them much. Um, They should still have plenty of room below the tax to bring back Bertans if that's what they wanted to do. And I will will note that if if the reporting is correct that they were looking for two first-round picks for Davis Bertans, then I think... I think the Wizards will rue the day because he's an unrestricted free agent, can go wherever, and I don't think he's going to give them a hometown discount for bringing him off the bench. So either it's an overpay and Berton stays, or he ends up leaving and they get nothing. And it's not like they're making the like making the playoffs, or if they even make it, getting anything for it. Yeah, uh, if he doesn't re-sign with them, and now he's got a lot of leverage, doesn't have a ton of options on places to go necessarily. Clearly, I mean, he'll have multiple offers, I would think, at like the full mid-level exception. Oh, or is, do I get to start my my campaign for Davis Bertans to sign with the Memphis Grizzlies now, or do should I wait a little bit? Uh, <laughs> because that's what I want. Yeah, so, I mean, it does seem like he'll probably be back. They have an idea of what it's going to cost to re-sign him, you would hope. But if he doesn't re-sign and they failed to trade him, that will be hilarious. So they better know what they're doing on that one. And and then the last move, two guys that maybe are still a couple years away, Jordan Bell, who the Houston Rockets just acquired in the massive four-team trade, sent to Memphis for Bruno Caboclo. And this is shocking because it looks like, oh, Jordan Bell, he can be one of the Rockets options, switchable center. And instead, now he's in, in Memphis. And then Bruno, it'll be interesting to see how Mike D'Antoni uses him. But that is a, it, but, but considering the context, of the Rockets trading away their center and then adding Jordan Bell, who seemed like a natural fit. And also totally perfect, very much on brand for Daryl Morey that what Memphis got in the trade is they have, it's a second round pick swap except Maury protected it for the if the if the Rockets have the worst or second worst record in the league in the 22-23 season then they can't swap which is just so great it's Maury's done things like that in the past and how hilarious is it that Jordan Bell and Gorgie Jang who were just together on Minnesota got both got routed to Memphis but in separate trades yeah <laughs> yeah we actually have a, a couple of double teammates um, and it looks like we were going to get another one, which would have been amazing with uh, Cabin Ga- if Cabin Gailey and Mann had been a part of the Knicks trade. They could have been college teammates, then pro teammates. teammates. Instead, we we only get the triumphant Alan Crabb, Evan Turner reunion. Yeah, and Caboclo played in the Houston system in the G League. I think that's actually where he got signed out of by Memphis last I year. I think you're right. And so I guess Houston just felt like as a small ball center type that he would be better than 
Jordan Bell. I don't agree with them, but I may be the only last remaining person on Jordan Bell knob or whatever tiny geographical feature that only I can stand on uh, you would like to put in there. A gable? <laughs> yeah. So is that it? Are we done? Uh, should we hit uh, hit winners and losers? Yeah, we because there's there's kind of another category, but I think it ties in with yeah. losers with how it how it happened. Uh, well, here, but before we do that, just a, a quick reminder, Hollinger, Duncan, John and I, he's been doing his thing for The Athletic writing this whole time, but he and I are going to record that late tonight. So we'll, we'll get to get some more takes about some stuff off of him as well. So make sure you you listen to that uh, before we uh, just wanted to let you guys know that before we get into our well, winners and losers. Do, do we want to do a uh, very small piece of live reaction? Chris Haynes just tweeted that the Memphis Grizzlies do not plan on keeping Dion Waiters. He had a buyout order release is on the horizon horizon so uh okay see so how, qu- how quickly could he side with the thunder <laughs> i mean they could actually use him they could i mean he, he's he'd be like their best uh their best three right now and and he cannot resign that this would be the zajunas ogalskis rule he cannot resign with with miami this season oh they're they'll be crushed <laughs> fair point had to note it okay but yeah so you're starting off here on your uh your winners and losers yeah uh big and and we'll include just not today but also the the last little while as well the massive four-teamer sure for me the biggest winner even though it didn't really move them into to, to me a higher echelon of of competition is probably miami just because they got better and they got more their books got cleaner without sacrificing anything truly massive for me those who like justice Winslow more will say hey they sacrificed something i disagree with that that double doesn't happen very often especially not for a good team didn't give up any young players other than winslow didn't give up any draft picks and considering how few teams did anything doing something positive unambiguously positive is pretty damn good my two biggest losers are the milwaukee bucks and the los angeles lakers let's start with the lakers to compare their situation with the clippers yes the clippers had a a better roster to start with yes the lakers had to include a bunch of guys for salary matching in the ad trade but the things that they did number one and they traded two first round picks essentially to new orleans but somehow managed to trade two first round picks in a way that would prevent them from trading any other pick going forward that was pretty rough then they proceeded to sign all these guys to player options so they could block a trade and they had no matching salary ramona shelburne reporting here just recently that the knicks also wanted danny green to make the money work and future second round picks which the lakers have their 23 through 26 second rounders is all now and the lakers decided that was too steep correctly they yeah they they could have maybe traded kuzma and avery bradley and demarcus i mean when it it would have been possible to do it the knicks would have had to wave some guys and stuff too i mean or offload some guys somewhere all, all of that would have been too complicated, but it sure would have made things a lot easier if you could have traded like Rajon Rondo or KCP or JaVale McGee. If you didn't give all those guys one-year deals or player options, you couldn't get any non-guaranteed the second year. Even just signing those guys to a straight two-year deal instead of the player option could have enabled them to be in it. But the bigger problem, of course, was just not having any first-round picks to trade. I mean, they could have beaten the Clippers offer probably, you would think. So uh, if it could have been Kuzma plus some better matching salary. Or, and especially I'm, because the, the Knicks didn't value Mo Harkless. He was just expiring salary to them. So the, that that part, which, which I talked about in part one, doesn't matter to the Knicks at all. Yeah, and moreover, they could have kept Morris away from the Clippers. and Or even just made the Clippers pay up a little more 
Um, you know, they, they could have potentially gotten Derrick Rose if they had done things a little differently. And, and they're really like, people are like, oh, they had to get AD. No, I'm sorry. They didn't have to do it in this unprecedented way that no one has ever done. Like the Clippers in the Paul George trade, they had maybe less leverage than the Lakers did because it was just like, oh, he's going to, Kawhi's going to go to the Lakers if you don't do this deal for Kawhi and Paul George. And it had to be done right then at that particular moment. And because they actually have a front office that thinks about this stuff they were able to craft it so they could still trade their 2020 first round pick and they did it and they got marcus morse so the lakers not getting in we'll see what happens with the buyout market now but i don't think that you know they're talking about darren collison we've talked about him a little bit with the lakers i don't think he really helps them that much maybe he's a little bit better than rondo but not particularly and i think that the lakers really needed to get rondo out of the rotation they needed one more ball handler rose could have really helped obviously marcus morris could really help there also and kuzma isn't a great fit and so maybe you could say well when there's more flexibility in the summer we could trade kuzma but you're trying to win a championship this year this is probably their best shot well and, and beyond that the lakers aren't going to get this sudden surge of salary matching players because of the way all this was structured Maybe I mean if so it, maybe somebody like KCP or Avery Bradley they pick up their option, but Danny Green, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, those are the three most expensive players. All three of those guys are going to be on the roster next year. Yeah, and the, I mean I do understand not trading Danny Green. Sure, of course, of course. But the structure they but, created but this, this problem. Is, this is yeah. this was not just destiny that they that they had to, to had to make it happen. Yeah. And certain other teams have have cultivated it. Where would you put the Warriors in this in this mix of losers? Oof. Like I said, I'm of two minds about it. Wiggins could get better. They might have a little more optionality to trade for a non-star now using that Iguodala trade exception. But I do think Wiggins overall is more immovable. I mean, the other thought though is maybe that they could trade Draymond Green and those picks if you can't trade Wiggins a salary. Wiggins, you know, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past it that when they're fully healthy that Wiggins could actually help them more on the court than D'Angelo Russell was going to. Like that is insane to me i i worry though about the 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 subsequent decisions here so if the warriors had russell on the roster and then they would have a clear need at the three it's an easy selling point for the mid-level exception even now that andre guadala is off the market which is another reason why i have the warriors as the biggest loser of the deadline is that they also took it took away their it took away what could have been their small forward if they're trying to be competitive next year that the way things happened they lost that which you know they they didn't do anything to prevent it now that they could have before and also because that that they would have a sales pitch because hey you're coming in and you're probably going to start on the golden state warriors and we don't nobody knows yet whether they're going to they would be a title team or anything like that probably not but they would have been good and not many other teams can offer that sort of a pack that sort of a, a, a pitch to a player and now they still have that same mid-level this doesn't saving under the tax doesn't really change the warriors sp- their spending power it just changes how much that spending costs ownership and now those players who could potentially be interested not only are they less interested because Andrew Wiggins is starting over them, but also the Warriors might be looking in a different direction because they already have Andrew Wiggins. And so maybe they look for a backup point guard and look for something else. And then if Wiggins isn't the answer, they have fewer resources to find somebody who is. And that, that could potentially be a significant problem. Also, as you mentioned, I think it's a lot harder to move Wiggins than Russell, which is a which is a problem f- when a team like the Warriors has a very narrow window. This is something we're dealing with with the Lakers and LeBron. So you have that there, but I think we can transition back into the Bucks because you had kind of... Well, well quick, quickly sure. here also, another reason the Warriors lost out is Andre Iguodala now being under contract for Miami for right, next exactly. year for $15 million. But uh, let's put Iguodala in as a winner. Oh, yeah. Because... He just sat 
sat out the entire CJ McCollum tweeted about this sat out the entire year came under some criticism from Memphis I think understandably but also you know from his perspective he's doing the right thing for himself so I understand why they took it personally I understand why he didn't want to go there and uh and then yeah with him in Miami he gets another 15 million and I, I had cautioned that people were like oh he's gonna go back to the Warriors I'm like how are they gonna pay him exactly like he's a businessman like are they gonna offer him the mini mid level are they gonna offer him a minimum contract like does he really he doesn't want to be in the bay area so badly he's gonna give up like 10 million dollars well can i can i throw one very very small pin in here that andre guadala's salary for the 2020 21 season happens to be a small enough amount that it would fit into the andre guadala trade exception and while i think miami did this with the full intention of keeping him next year i think there is an outside shot that where this turns into whether it was intended or not is that it would all plays on the warriors on that contract it's possible um in, in which case andre is an even bigger winner because then he would have gotten to go to the place he wanted to go and got paid and got to be yeah, on a play although uh, although i mean i think the warriors can do especially with the assets they have can do better with that trade exception than Iguodala. but maybe we'll see. we'll see that's i mean there's just like we could easily be wrong about all this stuff with memphis with golden state i mean i i admit right now would i have done this trade i probably wouldn't have but i also completely understand how it could work out for them and and the reason why memphis isn't one of the biggest losers to me is not because of the trade i think the trade that they made was the worst of of all the trades around the deadline however they also got dylan brooks on that team friendly extension and I, yeah I, we didn't talk about that but that, that was the I, I said we would talk about it later so let's talk about it now yeah so three years 35 million for Dylan Brooks you and I had, had that extended discussion a couple days ago about how much uh, was that on the NBA cast I'm trying to remember what that was on we were having this discussion yeah but it might have been of whether uh, we talked so much uh, I don't know where it happened but it happened somewhere um and and we were arguing about 14 15 million a year and he got less than that and Brooks was about to hit free agency so this is not a situation of as as much risk mitigation as it would be at the beginning of the year or something like that so for the grizzlies i really i'd be really happy about having brooks at this price locked in for three years not dealing with the volatility of the market even though a bunch of teams hamstring themselves in terms of spending power agreed uh and i think brooks you know this is I would have hoped that he could get more. I think he's a really solid defender. His shooting has really come around. He's a little thirsty on these twos at times, but you know, hopefully you can get him out of that to some degree. And yeah, I mean, he's going to be a quality starting wing player for a while, I think. And so to get him for 11 million a year is pretty darn good. Um, and also to, I, I would have said, doesn't really hurt their cap space too much until you know then they hurt their cap space but it's it'll be it still leaves them with the optionality for 2021 so again as i said i'm I'm, the more i talk through it i'm coming around to things a little bit more for memphis even though in terms of just the pure asset play i felt like they to take on that much bad money maybe they could have done a little bit better there we talked about why with that three-team trade maybe they just ended up getting folded in there um I think Minnesota did pretty well overall. I don't know that it moves the needle for them as a franchise, but they were so screwed that just to get off of Wiggins and get there's a starting point guard and get off of Wiggins. And then, I mean, I think they, you can argue that by moving Covington, they still have maybe a fuller asset chest than they had before they made this move, uh, before they entered this week. I thought they did well in the Covington trade. You got Hernan Gomez and Beasley as well, who... 
you know, again, they're not going to be, they might be, you know, five or 10 games better than they were fully healthy before this. But I think this overall is pretty good. And you're, you're also keeping Carl Towns happy, which helps uh, as well. And um, I admire the hard work and creativity of Rosas here in this uh, deadline. I mean, period. going from just more button shooting to significantly better shooting is, is a nice, a welcome change for the, for the Timberwolves. And I would have enjoyed seeing Robert Covington, but the, the haul that they got, especially with that near lottery pick coming from the Hawks via the Brooklyn Nets, I think, I think that could work out reasonably well. Not the greatest, greatest draft, but they're, they're, they're valuable players in that range most years uh the, the the other class of loser that i wanted to talk about are teams well can we can we talk about the bucks yes sure we can do that and then the other one yeah i mean this is we had talked about how oh let's see what they get with that brogdon pick right like let's let's not deem them tax shirkers quite yet right like that's uh, um but it seems pretty clear to me matt now and you could still trade that pick in the offseason sure but I mean, this is the time that matters right now. So uh, they did not get better. I thought they had two needs. One was a little bit more of a knockdown guy on the perimeter who could also defend. So, I mean, like Marcus Morris, like that Indiana pick to me was, you know, maybe if you throw in the Detroit second, the Clippers package was better than what they could have given up. Or the, the other guy that I had really targeted them for them was Bogdanovich. Apparently he was not available for what they had to offer. Uh, and uh, who knows whether they ever made that offer or not. But, you know, Morris and Bogdanovich are probably the two guys that would have really made a difference for them. I don't like Covington to me wasn't quite what they needed. So and that's why getting a first round pick for Brogdon wasn't the wasn't necessarily the value play because it's hard to convert that into a player that can help you right now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they did get the seconds from Indiana, too. But I mean, to just go into the. Okay, you win the championship. Great. Now you got a first round pick. You can just use it. You can keep things going. Giannis signs it. But I mean, to me, going back to the Brogdon trade and now to not get anything for that pick, whether because it wasn't available or you didn't offer it or whatever it is. Like they, I still think they needed to get better and who knows, maybe there's another buyout camp, but there's nobody on the buyout market. Like they have a lot of depth already. Like they needed to me, the guy they really needed was one more pick and roll guy who could run some pick and roll with Giannis and give them just a little bit more optionality at the end of games, because I think they're more vulnerable offensively than they are defensively right now. And it's worth noting the Bucks still have a very good chance of winning the championship this year, but at that margin, especially when you add in the stakes of Giannis making the decision on whether he signs this extension, every little bit matters a whole hell of a lot. And if those little bits end up being a part of the reason why the Bucks do not win a championship, then it could be a big problem. Uh, another winner I want to mention before we get into my other theory of the losers is the Knicks. They got a lot out of the Marcus Morris signing, even if the team was bad this year. Getting a, getting a first, getting that... Detroit second, which is looking even better now that they're more clearly in the rebuild. And that's that's pretty good value. Wish they could have done something with some of the other guys. It's hard to be creative when you change your basketball decision makers two days before the deadline, you know, doing something with Bullock or some of they had all these all this unusual contract stru- structure stuff. But then the other big group, uh, I wrote this piece a couple weeks ago for The Athletic, laying out the theory of the case that there was this group of teams, most notably among them for me, Oklahoma City and Dallas, who had expiring contracts of players that weren't doing anything for them that could have been used to acquire players on longer contracts who can actually play for them without probably in some cases giving up much of anything of value. And 
Instead, Courtney Lee and Andre Robertson sat unused, and neither of those teams did anything. They, they, they could have been, you know, think of them as broad-scale buyers, or in the case of OKC, maybe a seller. But to do nothing with those is just a bad decision because now they get nothing for it. Now it's it's it. I the idea was it's like a second mid-level exception, and now that value is completely wiped away for both teams. Yeah, Dallas in particular there, I, I thought, was pretty egregious. Uh, but OKC too, I mean, they have so many assets going forward. Maybe they could have tried to get like slightly better at, in a way that wasn't going to material uh, affect things uh, for them. And, you know, Toronto, I don't think they really were going to do much. They have good players already. Boston, we'll see what happens in the buyout market for them. But we talked about some of the issues that they had. I felt, though, that a lower level of move could have helped them, that they've got all these first-rounders burning a hole in their pocket. And, you know, like that number 30 Milwaukee pick. But it does seem like they were limited by the lack of matching salary and guys like Bertans Rose I don't know that he would have helped them that much but guys who were making under 10 million Jay Crowder got folded into that other deal with Miami those type of guys didn't help them that much but we'll see again who's on the buyout market and we'll talk a lot more about that buyout market in a little bit um reminder again I'm about to record with John Hollinger just as soon as we're done here. So you can listen to that, get a little bit more holistic view. Can't wait to hear what John has to say about some of these. And uh, anything else that you want to talk about before we go, Dane? I am a part of a slew of pieces that are coming out for The Athletic. Um, Already have stuff on the Warriors Sixers trade and the D'Angelo Russell Andrew Wiggins trade, and then working on other pieces. All of those are collaborative with our friends, Seth Partnow and Sam Vecini. And so you can check those out at The Athletic and, and, um, there's a lot of great work going on there as well by by others and there will be between now and the next time you and i record there will also be a new real gm radio i'm still figuring out who that's going to be with once i come up for air at some point eventually all right uh for us we'll be back on sunday night talk to y'all then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.